Welcome to another episode of the Great Stories Podcast. I'm Charles Morris, and today we're returning to an interview with Ray and Betty Whips. They met in World War II. Ray was an infantryman under General Patton in the trenches of Normandy. Betty, a nurse in Cherbourg, France. They met after Ray was injured and bonded over their shared fate, promising to marry each other if they both made it to the end of the war. And then something went terribly wrong. When I interviewed them at their home in 2015, they were celebrating 70 years of marriage. It's an incredible story of faith and love, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's take a listen now. This is Haven Today, and we are coming from a home in Portland, Oregon, the home of Ray and Betty Whips. And first, I want to say to both of you, and I'll give it away a little bit, 70 years young in marriage, welcome for the very first time to this program. Thank you very much. Betty, you grew up in Portland, didn't you? Yes, I did. And Ray, you're originally from Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. It is so great to have a couple on who this year will have been married 70 years. It just keeps getting better, doesn't it? (laughs) That's the way it goes. Yeah, I I really, it's it's not a cliche, but I love Betty more now. It's a deep love. Mm. uh, Mm. And I loved her. You can't believe how much I loved her at the beginning. Yes, yes. But it still goes. Wow. But we thought it could never get better than the day we were married, and it ha- just keeps getting better and better. And and I want to just share with our listeners here, um, you have been blessed with a family. and uh, Our quiver is full. <laughs> that's that's right. And, and how do you describe your seven children, Ray? They've all uh, received the Lord as children. Okay. How many boys, how many girls? Uh, it's uh, six boys and one girl. Here, I want you, I want you to tell me the way you, you're supposed to. Well, we'd say, well, we have seven children, and they're all girls except the six boys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's turn the clock back now. You have a new book, Till We Meet Again, A Memoir of Love and War. I've just got to read a couple sentences here. This is you speaking, Ray, and uh, I call it my good wound because it was thanks to the piece of German shrapnel that tore my leg open that I met Betty. And from that one injury came so many other good things. Ray, you received three purple hearts, didn't you? Yes. I don't even know where to start with your story other than the fact that the Lord just had planned for the two of you meeting, and you did. You were an infantryman. Uh, You were in battle, and you were wounded. Tell us how you met Betty. My division, the 4th Division, landed on D-Day, and uh, since I was held up to uh, at Cadre down in uh, Florida, uh, I did not uh, go with the ones I've trained with. Because I was asked to help train the next group. Okay. And so I missed D-Day, and I'm thankful for that. Mm. But we got, uh, we landed on D-Day plus maybe six days. Okay. And uh, the uh, beaches were still cluttered. 
mm. at that time. All they the they dead, had been dead, able to remove all the bodies. The yet, dead were, had, had been all removed at that time. Okay, but a lot of the debris and the the poles sticking up to uh, keep the gliders from landing. And uh, but uh, if I had uh, to use a different title of our story till we meet again, uh, I would say, quote, but God, mm. unquote. Mm. Uh, if it hadn't been for God, we just would never have been married. Mm. There's too many things that happened that, that we couldn't do. So you landed just after D-Day. Uh, you got wounded yourself then, didn't you? Tell me how you were wounded. Uh, I did not get wounded at that beginning. Okay. Uh, it was we had to fight through called hedgerow country, mm-hmm. and that's Normandy. Mm-hmm. And the hedgerows were probably maybe five feet tall with all growth, and it divided farmers' property mm-hmm. instead of fences. Mm-hmm. And we had to take as many hedgerows in a day as we could. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, after the hedgerow country, we were assigned to General Patton. Our regiment was uh, 22nd Infantry, and uh, we took care of anything uh, that the tanks couldn't do personnel-wise. Mm-hmm. And we got to know the tankers real well. We stayed mm-hmm. with one tank. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we got to the Hurricane Force, where I was wounded, uh, I, we were caught out in the field when an artillery uh, shells came in on us. And when you do, you fall flat on your face. Uh, you try to have as little uh, person, to, as little of your body as possible when because shrapnel just goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had my hands out and uh, I got shrapnel on my, in my hands. Okay, okay. And I just went to the first aid station. Okay. It wasn't that serious. And uh, they patched me up and uh, said, well, Sarge, you're going to get a Purple Heart for this. And so that was my first Purple Heart. Okay. And uh, then we continued on, and uh, we finally uh, got to the uh, end of Germany to a battle called the, the Hürgen Forest. Mm-hmm. And it's near Bastogne. It's a, anyone can, you can write, you can just read any place it's a battle that should not have been fought Mm. Uh, they could have isolated that whole thing Uh, and uh, but they the it was so bad that there were 24,000 casualties Mm. that doesn't mean uh, deaths but uh, POWs wounded captured well, I was, that's where I got my second wound. I was out checking my men uh, in a Hurton forest uh, or any forest. We had to put a, uh, logs over our foxhole. We dug a foxhole every night. Wow. And uh, we had to put logs over it because when shrapnel came in and hit the trees, the shrapnel would just come right straight down. Mm. So a foxhole wouldn't do you any good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was out checking my men, and they threw in an 88 artillery shell just at that time while I was out. I was the only one out mm-hmm. of my foxhole, of any foxholes. And uh, 
it hit close by. Uh, it knocked me flat back. Uh, it uh, ripped my my uniform. Uh, I didn't know. I stung all over. I didn't know if I was hit or not mm. until I looked down and saw my leg uh, uh, all all bleeding. Mm. It, it, pants had been taken away from it and uh, our tech sergeant said everybody all right and i said uh, this is whips i said no i've been hit hmm. and so uh, he got out of his foxhole and uh, he looked at me and he says oh ray he says you're going to have to he called me ray uh, <laughs> you're going to have to go back to uh, the first aid and then uh, to a hospital because uh, uh, that's that's too too bad a wound to stay, mm. and so he put sulfur on it to keep mm -hmm. it from getting infected, and uh, put a gauze around it, and then I walked to the first aid station and I didn't walk again until uh, I was at uh, Betty's hospital. So Ray gets sent providentially. We know now to the hospital where you were working as a nurse. But he was in Belgium first, and then okay. went to Paris. Okay. And then he came to our hospital. We were in Normandy in the Hedgerow country. Okay. And we were, it was a 1,500-bed hospital. Huge then. Yeah. I was yes. supposed to go to England, fly to England. Uh, first, like Betty said, that we went to uh, Brussels, Belgium, and then to Paris, and it was a receiving and get out the hospital. And uh, they had to get rid of you as soon as possible because more we're patients coming in. were coming in. Yes. And uh, I was supposed to fly to England. Well, fog came in. <laughs> now, that uh, just didn't happen. God, God sent that fog in. So they had to get rid of us, so they put us on a hospital train. <laughs> and I was sent to Cherbourg, France, about three miles out of Cherbourg, was uh, her 167th hospital, huge tent hospital. Now, Ray, when did you fall in love with Betty? Well, the next, the, the next morning, <laughs> of, uh, uh, since I was there, uh, the nurses changed shifts, and Betty came in. Uh, in, in the morning into our ward. She opened the door and... Uh, and, and, the, and the sunlight sh <laughs> was shining on her face, and beautiful the, face. The snow helped. And uh, <laughs> and I, I looked at her and I've never uh, looked at a woman like that before and said, that, now that's, this woman is something else. And she wasn't dressed in her white. She had on fatigues, her work outfit. And, uh, but... There was just something about her. And I, I heard sirens off in my head and bells rang. I think I invented the term in, uh, what is it, honey? Fibrillation. Fibrillations. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was my first view of Betty. And she took care of, this, of our ward. She had four wards. Mm. And Betty, in the book that you have written, Till We Meet Again, there are some of your letters. You were an officer. He was an infantryman. Right. You were not supposed to go out on a date with Ray. He never did. Never did? No. How? But you were writing to him, and, uh, and you wrote through the rest of the war, 
And we're going to get to the story of when Ray goes back, but how long till you guys got married after the war in New Orleans? How long would have that would that have been? A month. I got back September 3rd, and we were married September 29th. Okay. Did you, Betty, have uh, any idea that this one of many patients that you had under your care would be your future husband and that the Lord would lead you together? Probably not that soon, but soon after. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> when I walked in, he was reading his New Testament. And so I said, are you a Christian? And he said, yes. And I said, so am I. And that's how we started. All right. So, so, but, but let's, let's keep the story going here. Ray, you were patched up and you had to go back to the front line and tell us yeah, what happened. I, I wasn't able to walk yet. Right. Uh, it when, took a when while. When first came in at, at the very first part. And then eventually I was able to use crutches. Mm-hmm. But uh, Betty, every day, would come in and uh, take care of the patients, change bandages, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I was jealous because she treated the other guys as good as she did me. <laughs> <laughs> but she was a very caring nurse. And every day, we just got to know each other a little better. And uh, we weren't allowed to socialize, or it's called fraternization. Okay. Uh, officers were not allowed to go with enlisted men, mm-hmm. socialize in any way. Right. And uh, so I wanted to honor that so Betty wouldn't get in trouble. And so we just stayed, uh, uh, we, the, we did go to church together, sit beside each other, and we went to some of the movies at night and sat beside each other. And uh, other than that, it was... Uh, nurse taking care of the patient and, and patient enjoying the nurse more all the time. Mm. Well, Ray, after you were healed, you recovered from your injury and uh, that Purple Heart, you were sent back to the front line and the war wasn't over yet, was it? That's right. I, uh, in, in fact, the worst was yet to come. Yes. While, while I was in uh, Betty's Hospital, I call it Betty's Hospital, uh, the Battle of the Bulge occurred. I've heard and of that. And that was yes. uh, the Germans' last push. And they, uh, they went quite a ways. And some of the uh, uh, soldiers that got caught up into that uh, were, were sent to Betty's Hospital with frozen feet and trench feet uh, because they had the worst snow that France has ever had they said mm-hmm. and uh, that's why hitler used that because the airplanes couldn't uh oh, couldn't right. help out at all okay so uh, they didn't have to worry about that they just kept using our tanks and artillery and they just kept pushing us back until finally uh, uh we were able to stop it mm-hmm. uh, but i was in her hospital at that time and then uh they, after uh, 30 days I uh, uh, talked to Betty at the door as I was leaving. She knew I was going on a hospital ship. And I said, uh, I wouldn't have another opportunity. So I said, if we pull through this, will you marry me? And okay, uh, now, I now, said, hold, now hold on. I Betty, said, let's yes. let Betty speak here for I a said, moment. Yes. Great. <laughs> 
I feel like I'm at the movies right now, just hearing your story of your life. Wow. Anyway, that uh, I gave her a ring uh, as a memento. Was it a cigar band or was it an it was actual? A, it was a ring that I had picked up from a enemy. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at and, that. Uh, All right. Yeah. I put the ring he gave me on my dog tags and wore it all the time. Good for you. Ray, you went back. You were then captured by the Germans. Yes. After meeting Betty, thinking, look at the life I have to come. Tell me about being captured and where they take uh, you. We had, the, we had the Germans on the run. And we got to the... Uh, well, we went through the Siegfried line, for one thing, and we had to go through that, and we did. And we finally got to the Rhine River. Mm. And uh, a huge they did river. everything they could to keep us from crossing. As, it, as large as the Columbia is here in it, Portland. It's a good-sized uh, yes. river. And uh, we were close to a bridge that they had had mined, so we couldn't go across the bridge. Okay. It was a Bridge Remagen. And uh, so the... Uh, combat engineers made pontoon uh, mm -hmm. places so we could go across on the mm -hmm. pontoons. Mm -hmm. And we crossed the Rhine, and then uh, we kept going east, uh, and the Germans were just getting hurt more and more. Mm. And uh, where our lieutenant, I'm sorry, was not that sharp a guy. Uh, he got permission to make a night attack, and he just wanted to have billets in a bed and at home mm. instead of digging a foxhole. Mm. That was the main purpose. So uh, He was thinking about himself then, and that, not uh, his men. Yeah, and he, he was the main body at the top of a hill, and he had one squad on the right, on the right of him, and we were down in a, in a valley where there's a stream all the way. Mm -hmm. And he said, Whips, you just keep your eyes on the, on the soldiers as we walk, and then that's the way you'll know how to go. Well, we didn't see each other. We were spread out, okay. and I was leading. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, we were stumbling around on the it, it, you, if you know, it was something like creeks, and there's all kind of rocks and sure, every sure. growth. And Hard to keep your balance and, and keep yeah, going. And I and kept looking down and then up. And first thing you know, what I thought were soldiers were trees. Mm. And so uh, uh, I was separated from, from the outfit. And uh, so I just said, well, I'll just have to keep going. I'll follow this creek. And, uh, and finally it led to a village and uh this was late at night okay and i thought i uh, i got to the village and uh, every little village had a church and uh then a door opened everything was dark except this one house and i thought i heard somebody say second platoon here and i was the second platoon and so uh the door closed and i i says now how am i gonna uh tried to say how I got lost. Mm -hmm. And I knocked on the door, and the German farmer opened the door and looked at me. I had uh, bandoliers on both, both shoulders and ammunition all around me. I had a, a rocket uh, on my rifle grenade. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I had him shaved for about a week. I didn't look very good. Mm. So his eyes bugged out, and so did mine. And uh, he had a wife and a daughter that was back there. Mm. And he went right back and was going to protect them. So I told him the best German I knew that I'm not going to. I'm not going to bother you, but I want you to get everybody in the village. I want you to bring them here. And he says, I'll stay, I'll stay with your daughter and wife while you do that. So I knew he would uh, do what I asked him to do. Right. And so he went, and, and it didn't take too long. It was a small village. And uh, there were uh, all these people around, and they had one Polish slave laborer and a French mm-hmm slave laborer. Mm. Well, I could speak French. Mm-hmm. I took French in high school and didn't know why. Uh, in fact, I was our French spokesman when we were in <laughs> France. And uh, so I talked to him and I said, uh, well, uh, where are the German soldiers? He says, well, they were here this morning and they left uh, for another town. It's probably the one that uh, we were supposed to go to. And uh, I said, well, you know, well, I've been fighting all day and it's late at night. I said, uh, I just need to get some sleep. What do you say? He says, well, go out in the barn, take your rifle, and uh, find some place where you can just lay down and get some straw. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I says, well, you tell, the, you tell these people that they stay at home or else. And uh, I didn't know what else was. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I went out into the barn and went in a ways. And uh, took off my helmet, put the gun, my rifle, uh, right by my side. Oh, and I know I where fell this asleep, is going. Just like nothing. Mm. And I was rudely awakened with bullets flying all around me. And they didn't know where I was. And I, they were just, I knew where they were. Uh, they were on one side and they would just fire. And uh, the, the bullets were coming close. And uh, I, I, well, there's, I said, there's nothing I can do. I'm, so I just yelled out, comrade. I mean, I surrender. Okay, okay. And uh, that's where I got captured. And they took you to what concentration well, camp? Well, they, they didn't. They interviewed me. And uh, a, a guy, uh, a sergeant and, uh, and the officer interviewed me. I gave him my name, rank, and serial number. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the sergeant uh, took out a knife and came toward me. And I says, oh, no, he's going to stab me. We, he, put, he ripped the, my insignia, the 4th Division insignia off. Okay. And he took it in, and, and uh, they told me uh, I was in the 22nd Infantry. Their intelligence was something else. Mm. And uh, they said, uh, we, we know about your infantry, and uh, they've been fighting a long time. It's like we have. And so he, they kept me with their German infantry for five days. Mm. They couldn't send uh, hurt people back because they didn't even have an ambulance. Mm. And if you weren't able to walk, it was kind of tough. And so they waited until they got enough people that were ambulatory, and uh, then they would go back to the next town. And uh, so it, it happened that time, and, uh, after five days. And uh, 
there was they put a German uh, sergeant in charge who could speak English as good as I could, mm-hmm. and I was glad. And we were walking along the road, uh, uh, these wounded uh, Germans, myself, and uh, I saw a, a three-wheel motorcycle coming toward me, toward us, and I looked, and they were in the back seat uh, of this three-wheeled motorcycle was an SS officer. Mm. And uh, they started to go by. I tried to make myself look inconspicuous as I could, but I had a different uniform entirely. And he went by, and then all of a sudden, the brakes squeaked on that uh, motorcycle, and uh, the officer was motioned to this German sergeant to, to come here. And so uh, he went there, and he did a lot of pointing, and, and uh, then they took off. And uh, the German sergeant came back, and he said, uh, he said, Sergeant, do you know who that was? Mm. I says, yes, I do. He said, I don't like them any better than you do. Mm. And in, inside, I just cheered silently. Mm. Mm. And uh, you see, not the, the uh, SS troops, uh, they, they were the real Nazis. Yes, yes. And the, the others uh, had to fight just because uh, they there were, were told countries to. at war. Yes. And this this uh, man was, uh, and I think God sent that man uh, to me, mm-hmm. to us, because he said, I'm supposed to turn you over to SS headquarters in the next town. He said, but I'm not going to do it. Mm. Well, that saved my life. But mm. my title is but god this right. happened all through uh all every through step of the way yeah so you ended up though in an internment camp what yeah, was the name up, of uh, uh, we that? finally got to uh, a prison in munich yes that's a big city yes it is and uh and uh, i was uh put in this prison and sent to a big room it's larger than this uh dining room and and living room and I saw some GIs up, up that area there, and I said, oh, good, I can speak some English. I went to the GIs, and I said, uh, uh, I just got, uh, got here. And I said, how long do you think we're going to be here in this prison? He says, how long? He says, two of us are supposed to get shot in the morning. Wow. Uh, they were prisoners, escaped, recaptured. Well, mm-hmm. they frowned on that. Uh, they did. And uh, yes. so I said, oh, no, wrong place again, I thought to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that night, uh, the Air Force came over, and Munich was their target. And this uh, this area where we were was also the target. And we all went out into the air raid shelters, and uh, the prison was uh, uh, bombed. Mm. And uh, it, uh, so they had to do something with us. And uh, so those two guys did not get shot, which I figured I would have been in with them. Uh, they marched us about 18 kilometers north to a place called Mooseburg. And that's mm-hmm. where Stalag 7A, a huge POW camp, and that's where I spent uh, the, a month. <clears throat> I wish I could just spend all day with you, Ray and, and Betty. Um, 
you were liberated. Tell no, me after how a you while, were liberated. We were liberated by an American, American outfit, but the tanks came in. They just came right through the gates. What was it like that day? Uh, Tell us about that day. Well, it was, uh, the, it was in May, the first part of May. Weather was good. And uh, when uh, these tanks came in and the trucks, it was an armored division. That's what I couldn't remember. And uh, we just cheered. Mm. Uh, we were not in very good uh, health because we didn't have much to eat. The Germans didn't have much to eat. And the Red Cross would send a parcel once a month and to uh, the POWs. Well, the Germans went through the parcel first. And what we would get would maybe be a, a chocolate bar, maybe a cigarette. They had taken everything else. And uh, I did, uh, I had a cigarette. Uh, we had to be would call work parties. We'd have to go out and and uh, clear up some uh, damage that uh, our air force had done. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, I got uh, the other POW said, "Well, if you got cigarettes, those people will trade with you." Oh. And uh, there was a lady there while I was working, and I looked around and I had held up a cigarette, and she says, uh, two potatoes." And she gave me two potatoes, and I gave her the cigarette, and we got back to the It was a great exchange, because you were hungry. Yeah, I cooked the potatoes uh, in a little makeshift uh, uh, oven, you might say. Hmm. And uh, we were able to do that. And I did that once after that with lentils. I traded a cigarette for lentils. I was just thankful I didn't smoke. You could save all your cigarettes, (laughs) right. Ray, that day that you were liberated, did the Germans run for it? Uh, well, they, as, they just as, disappeared okay. uh, from that uh, area. They had, the word was out. They knew the Americans were coming. Yeah, and uh, the war had not finished yet, but it was getting close. Tell me about those tanks rolling through when the Americans finally showed up. What were you thinking? Oh, we were thinking, I was thinking, thank you, God. Uh, hmm. You did it again. Mm. And uh, the Americans got organized. You can imagine the U.S. soldiers, they had to be organized. And the, the Russians were just went crazy. They went, uh, uh, took advantage of the ladies there in that town. And the French could leave when they wanted. And uh, here we were. I... I was in charge of 100 men, mm-hmm. and we had to count off and make sure everybody was there. Mm-hmm. And up on the kind of on top of a hill was Louis, who saved my finger, the Frenchman. Mm. And uh, they were just getting ready to leave, and he and three of his buddies. And I was down there with my 100 men. And Louis yelled out. He says, "Hey, Raymond, give it to them!" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we yeah. we were finally uh, uh, went to a, an airport and uh, were flown uh, to La Havre, France, where we spent mm. two weeks to get our strength back, so we could go to the states. Then come back home. And we had a priority getting back to the states. That was one good thing about being a POW. Mm-hmm. 
Ray, you, you didn't even know, no one, I don't think, had come up with the name post-traumatic stress syndrome. Not at all. But yet you've had it for decades. You've had yeah. it since World War II, haven't you? Yes. Uh, at the beginning, it was, it was hard. I don't know if I, uh, if I kicked Betty in bed yes, or not. Did. But uh, <laughs> uh, you'd have these uh, nightmares. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always about uh, fighting. Mm. And uh, I, I just wanted to take care of my men and uh, make sure that uh, they came through it. And, and it didn't always happen in the dreams. Guys were killed on both sides of me, and that actually happened during the war. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw my buddies uh, killed right, right next to me, and yet I wasn't. And so... Uh, uh, it's that but God again. Yes, yes. Betty, you, 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 you've been married almost 70 years now, um, and, and uh, by the time some of our listeners hear it, it will be 70 years, and uh, you never kicked him out of bed, did you, for having those nightmares? <laughs> you still love him, don't you? Yes, yes. Wow. It's amazing to hear and see you guys look at each other and uh, uh, I, I've, I've, I've got to ask the question, Ray. Uh, you, you're you're going to be, uh, I don't, you, you're, we've talked about your age, but I love to ask people this who have gotten into their 90s or older, to what do you attribute your long life? Because some of our listeners want to know. And I know it's not a glass of whiskey every day. You already clued <laughs> me in on that. Uh, I would say it's... Um Number one, that God has uh, spared our lives here on this earth. Uh, I mean, uh, when we get to heaven, it's going to be so much better. Mm. But uh, we we want to do what we can uh, for the Lord while we're here. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think we've done as good a job as we probably should have. None I mean, of us do. I don't speak for Betty, but uh, for myself. But uh, we have tried to take care of ourselves. And uh, Betty still swims uh, at <laughs> 94. Oh, and all right. I'll, we're going to stop you now. Betty, what do you do at about 7 a.m. every morning? Tell our listeners. You get out of bed. I get up and I uh, have my devotions and then go swimming. I walk a mile over to the pool and lap swim for a half hour and then an hour back. I mean, a mile back. And uh, that's five days a week, Monday through Friday. So you take take your weekends off then? They don't have it open then. Oh! oh, 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 oh right. Great. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, the Lord has just blessed you. And thank he you has. for sharing your lives with yes, us. Yes, he has. I'm going to ask a question that I ask of everybody that I have on the program. And, and, and Ray, I'll ask you. And, and I know whatever you say also is you, 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 you both are joined at the hip after this many years. <laughs> um, I know you're a Christian, but what does um, Jesus mean to you? Well, uh, he just means everything that you can imagine. Because when I think of, of the suffering that Jesus went through, even before the cross, 
is is hard to believe. I mean, he was mangled, mm-hmm. and then he was nailed to that cross, and he suffered again and shed his blood for remission of sins so that anyone can be saved if they receive Christ as Savior and Lord. And uh, so he just means everything in the world to me. Mm. Betty, you want to say amen to that too? Yes, amen. (laughs) Okay. You both are a treasure. Thank you for inviting uh, uh, our executive producer, Troy Lamberth, and me into your home and several thousand other people. Well, let me tell you, Charles, it's been an honor to have you here. Thank you very Mm -hmm. much. Thank Thank you. Thank you very much. And God bless you. And I hope to come back and let's do another interview when you turn 100. Okay? All right. Anytime. There we go. Thanks for joining me on Great Stories with Charles Morris. I hope this story of faith and love in World War II was a blessing to you today. When I was with Ray and Betty in 2015, they were in their early 90s, but still so very sharp and spry. Even more amazing was the twinkle in their eyes as they looked at each other during the interview. What a sweet couple. If you want to hear more stories of grace during World War II, I invite you to visit us at haventoday.org to listen to our radio series called War and Grace. And if you enjoyed today's episode, can I also ask that you leave a review? You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, but you can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover our other episodes posted on the blog. Thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.